Welcome back, Timberwood students. I am so excited to be with you again tonight. Now, I know I'm not with you physically. I get that. But I'm excited to share with you what God has taught me through Deuteronomy chapter 20. But before we get into the text, before we get into reading what is happening here, I want to talk about my family once more. So I've shared before that we've had quite the uh, exciting and frustrating and long trips. In fact, one trip that I mentioned before was a trip from Minnesota to Florida by car. And on that trip, there was puking involved. There's car sickness that led to that puking. There's a stench that stayed around for a while. And as we hit Florida, the humidity just made that stench even worse. Our family is known for having a few chaotic trips. And I'm sure tonight you can relate. So if you want to later, share about a trip that you went on with your family that maybe ended up a little chaotic. But this trip that we went on was not as disgusting, but still quite chaotic. See, my family decided that we would take a trip to Two Harbors, Minnesota. If you don't know where Two Harbors, Minnesota is, it's a couple hours north of um, Duluth, Minnesota. And Two Harbors has this amazing state park. It's called Gooseberry State Park. It is phenomenal of a place to go to if you want to do some hiking, if you want to see some waterfalls as well. And that was our goal. Now, before we get into what's happening on this trip, I do also want to share my father always thinks he is the world's greatest DJ. And I don't know, again, if you can relate to this or not, but my father would always choose the music that we listened to on every single trip. So much so that now today, I've actually grown to like some of the music that he had me listen to when I was younger. One of the songs that would constantly play on the radio for us in this classic rock theme goes like this. War! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. And it would go on like that. And I was captivated, captivated by this song. Because this song would charge me up to the point that I would dance in the car. The car would shake a little bit. And I would irritate my brother and sister who was always in the back with me. I hope that sounds familiar to some of you. Because that means at the least... You were excited about something on your car rides. So there we were, going to Duluth. And we were going to go through Duluth, the two harbors, on a later date. And through to two harbors, we went to Gooseberry. And I decided in that moment that I was the world's greatest adventurer. I decided that I had the right boots, the right socks, the right uh, vest, what have you, the right pants for it so my knees didn't get scuffed up. I decided that I was going to go off the beaten trail. You know, at Gooseberry, if you've ever been, they have really nice paved trails, some rocky and, and dirt, but mostly paved trails for you to explore the woods and to explore the waterfalls around. And there was a set of waterfalls that not too many people go to because of the extensive hiking trip that it is, but I wanted to go see this waterfall. To me, it was like a hidden waterfall, like a, like a treasure, like a treasure chest or like an X on the map that I had to just find. And so here I was on my route to this waterfall. And I just want to lay the landscape a little bit for you so you know what I'm dealing with. So I started on this path right here. 
there was a secondary path up here. Now, the first path that I was on, I could see straight ahead of me, and I could see. I could see in the distance that there were multiple obstacles, such as rocks and, and trees and bluffs and cliffs that it avoided and would go around. And I looked at the upper path, and I could see from the upper path that it cut straight, ap- straight past that, and that there was actually a nice little bridge that went over the cliffs that I had to walk around if I stayed on my path. But here's the trick. From my path to this path up here, it was an extensive climb. And on that climb, it was steep. And I mean steep. You could look down and you would get the feeling in your gut. If any of you are sensitive to height, you know what I'm talking about. Where you know if you take one step forward, looking down from the top, you're going to go in a tumble and probably die. And I was on the bottom. And I decided, worth it. So I started the climb getting to the top. And as I started getting to the top, I was probably about 15 feet from my goal that my right foot gave out. And that I could hear at the top in the distance, too scared to look up because I am hanging on for dear life. I could hear and feel earth moving. So remember that song, War, What Is It Good For? That is our theme tonight. We are talking about war. In chapter 20, verse 1, it reads as this. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. key word there that I want us to grasp. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for the battle. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Deuteronomy 1 through 4. When you go out against an army that is substantially larger than your own, the Israelites are reminded that God is with them. In fact, this war, these wars that the people are engaged in are wars that God himself said, do this. God told the Israelites to go forth from where they are, take over the promised land, And kick out everybody in the promised land. And conquer it. For that is land for them by God. And so one might even say that this war that the Israelites are fighting in, these battles that the Israelites engage in, these cities that they take over, 
are not just their warn. Because it is God who said do it. In fact, if we recall back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, we talked about Kadesh Barnea. And Kadesh Barnea was a place where the Israelites were told to go into to battle. And they said no because everybody there is too big, too strong, too powerful. And so they were fearful. And then what happened next is Moses scolded the people of Israel and said, You people of little faith, you have angered the Lord because you do not trust him. And the Israelites collectively got together and talked about it and said, No, Moses, we will now go against the enemy. We realize what we did wrong. And Moses said, If you do that at this point, God will not be with you. And then the Israelites said, no, we are going to go forward. We will move forward. We'll show God that we trust him. They had one opportunity to show God that they trusted him. And the next point we see in scripture is that the Israelites go forward. They try to show God that they did trust him and they get wiped out. Not completely, obviously, but they get wiped out. And so now here we are in a similar setting. Moses is trying to get the people to understand, go forth into this promised land. And when you get there, when you take over these cities, know that God is with you and you are with him. See, God cares about his people. He cares about his people so much that God knows that his people may not even need to be involved in the war. In fact, let me be stronger with my statement. The people do not need to be involved in God's wars. And all I mean to say by that, let me be very, very clear, is that it is not the strength of the army of Israel that is responsible for the success of the people. It is God and God alone. And in knowing this, there are a few exemptions that God allows for his people so that they do not have to go to war. There are, in this text specifically, four reasons why a soldier could go home instead of going into battle. The first, the dedication of a new house, which really just means a soldier who has not yet paid for or properly bought or dedicated their house, could go home and do so, so that if they died, that land is still their inheritance. The second is the production of a vineyard. All that means is if you have a vineyard, which is grapes, by the way, for making wine, that the person could go home because the grapes are about to come and be completely good for eating and for drinking And so they could enjoy the fruits of their labor. The third reason is if you're engaged and you have not properly completed the marriage ceremony with your wife. God cares. God cares about his people. And there's enough proof of God's power that they can afford to send these soldiers home. 
that even though a man had to go to war because it was his duty, God loved, cared for, and gave grace and compassion to his people that the things that they cared about were important to God, so much so that these people could go home. The fourth reason why a soldier would go home if he was weak of heart. If the soldier was unable to go into battle because they were fearful of the enemy. In fact, let's read it in our text. In Deuteronomy verse 8. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say to them, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. This is a two-step process, by the way. I don't want it to get lost to us. The first Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. Pause. God cares about the people and their fears. See, sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in our fears that we are unable to move forward. In fact, let me get more specific. Something that I'm comfortable sharing with is I have a lot of anxieties. In fact, every day I come to my office, every day I come speak with my girlfriend, every day I visit my family. Though the people around me affirm in me that they love me and care for me and I am where I am meant to be, there are days where I walk forward full of doubt, confused about what God is doing in my life uncomfortable with what God is calling me to do. That's my story. And this is a battle I fight every day. And here in this text, God says he cares. And then we move on. Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. I really, really want to be careful with this. But what I want you to get, what I want us to be captured by and captivated by, is one, it is okay to have fears and doubts. That is completely okay. But then it is also our responsibility to step away from the situation a little bit and take care of those fears and those doubts first. Address them. And then after that, after we've gained the confidence that we can do something about it through the power of God, then we can come back. Because the last thing that we want, the last thing I would want, is for my fears and anxieties to be so overwhelming that when I talk from the stage, you're not sure I believe what I'm saying. Because I have fears and doubts. But my fears and my doubts do not add up greater than the amount I trust my God. And that is why I am where I am today.
And that is a challenge that we are called to take up every single time we are faced with something that gives us fear. See, God cares for the individual. And he cares for the community, the impact that individual may have on the community. At this point, I would like to pause and talk through questions one through three. All right, as we continue in our story then, we get into verses 10 through 18. 10 through 18 talks about two different kinds of cities. The first kind of city is a city known as what is far off, a far off place, as the text calls it. These are places that the Israelites would come through or be near, and they take over these cities. And in these cities, the people were meant for forced labor. And then there's a second kind of city. There's a city of inheritance. These are the cities that God promised to his people who would get to take those cities over and settle in them. This is a promise God made to his people. And in these cities, everything living and breathing was to be completely wiped out so that there would be no remnant of that city whatsoever that could cause the Israelites to stumble in their beliefs And what I find so fascinating is that in this point, I've come to the realization that the Israelites over and over are conquering city after city after city, a tirelessly moving army, completely engrossed with what's happening around them and doing battle nonstop. The level of exhaustion that would have on a people And yet, these people keep marching forward because they trust that God is with them. See, they were aware of God's power. As we talked about in chapter 20, verse 1, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. On this entire journey, here's the light bulb moment. On this entire journey, Moses is reminding the people from when we left Egypt and even before he was with us. And so when we move forward, there's no reason we shall doubt that he will continue to be with us. That is the promise Moses is giving his people. It's trust. And then we get to this final section of our text that reads like this. When you besiege a city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you shall not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. You may eat from them, but you shall not cut them down. And the statement that grabs me the most. Are the trees in the field human? That they should be besieged by you. If we're unfamiliar with the term besieged, it just means that you have an army going up against a country or a place and those people are stable where they are. And so day after day after day, an army would continue to attack this place. And these could go on for months, years. 
And in that time, Moses says, do not cut down a single tree that bears good fruit. What does this tell us? Well, the first is that your enemy, be very certain who it is. It is not the tree or the land that the Israelites are taking over that is the enemy. The enemy is the people. The enemy are the people that God said, these people are against me, therefore we are against them. And if the army of Israel is with God, then the enemies of God are not a problem. And we have no reason to fear them. This section teaches us to focus on the enemy. And even more so, to focus on who has our back. So I left you at at (laughs) the pinnacle of my story. When I was with my father, I was climbing, and there I was, so close to my goal, 10 to 15 feet from that top trail. And I felt earth move. And I closed my eyes, and I was trembling. And from the lower path, thank goodness, my father, who was not far behind me, because he knew better than to trust me to go out on my own and do whatever I wanted to. He sees me, he sees earth moving, and he says, stay put. Like a light in a dark room, like a voice for somebody who never heard. It hit the core of me, and I stayed put. And then my father says, don't worry, I got this. And unable to see my father, unable to see the path I was going to, unable to see the path below me, My father then gives me instruction. He says, slide to the right a little bit. Stop. Slide down. And as I slid down, my foot hit another rock. This one's stable and in place. He says, good. Now go to the left. Go left. Go to the right. You get the picture. And two feet on the ground later, with earth having fallen to my side, I was safe. Sometimes we don't see God. In fact, I'd argue a lot of people don't physically see God. But we hear him. We know what he desires for us. And like I was with my father, you got to trust the voice. Because sometimes what we see and what we understand is very different than the perspective of that person who cares for us and wants the best for us. Get more specific. God's perspective is bigger than our own. If you trust his voice, you will be safe. Because in this text, God preserved his people. And I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination at all to say if God cares for his people and preserves his people then Jesus would do the same. And I'm not talking about every day being roses and butterflies. I'm saying when things get difficult, when things get challenging, when you're on the side of the cliff and earth is moving around you, there's still a voice that we can trust. Because our hope is not in this earth. 
in this temporary existence. Our hope is elsewhere with God. And the Israelites were just able to live a very real experience of that. And our experience is very real in a different way. Jesus fights for and preserves his people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you are accomplishing in Timberwood Youth. Thank you for the way you have opened Deuteronomy chapter 20 to my eyes, to our ears. Thank you for giving us this text that we can look upon, this Bible that we have, where we know we can go to and hear your voice and trust it. I praise you for all that you are and all that you will be. In your name I pray, amen. Let's discuss questions four and five now. Have a good night.